Well, as many states are starting to open up and they are lifting their stay-at-home restrictions, there are lots of mixed emotions surrounding that. From fear and anxiety to relief and joy, there are people who have been itching to get back to work and for financial reasons, they're eager to open up their businesses again. And also, there are those who are feeling anger and frustration because they're, they're worried, they're, they think that we're not ready to open up yet. But in the midst of all these mixed emotions, there is also hope. Let's read Psalm 33, verses 12 to 22. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. It's been a while, but I'm reminded during these times of the teachings of Pastor Bob Hartley. Pastor Bob Hartley has been a longtime friend to Hope Church, and he taught about the five agreements of hope, or what he likes to call pillars of hope. Those of you who have been at Hope Church for a while are familiar with this teaching. And he taught about these five pillars of hope, which included hope in God, hope in people, hope in the next generation, hope in prayer, and also hope in cities and nations, now more than ever is a time where we need to hope, and to hope in God. But what does it mean to hope? What does it mean to have hope in something or someone? Jim Wallace, he is the founder of a group called Sojourners. It's a Christian social advocacy, uh, social action group, an advocacy group. And he spoke at, at the graduating class at ceremony at Stanford University many, many years ago. And here's what he said. When I was growing up, it was continually repeated in my evangelical Christian world that the greatest battle and biggest choice of our time was between belief and secularism. But I now believe that the real battle, the big struggle of our times, is the fundamental choice between cynicism and hope. The choice between cynicism and hope is ultimately a spiritual choice and one that has enormous political consequences. And he goes on to say... Hope is not a feeling, it is a decision, and the decision for hope is based upon what you believe at the deepest levels, what your most basic convictions are about the world and what the future holds, all based upon your faith. You choose hope, not as a naive wish, but as a choice, with your eyes wide open to the reality of the world. This is what Reverend Jim Wallace looks like. And I found this quote on the internet. Hope is believing in spite of the evidence and then watching the evidence change. 
This is perfectly illustrated for me in one of my all-time favorite movies, The Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Now, if you've never watched The Lord of the Rings, it's a three-part series, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. I highly, highly encourage you and recommend that you watch it. I mean, while you're stuck at home during this time, it's perfect to watch it. I recommend that you watch the extended version. Um, watching all three will probably take about nine to 10 hours. But while you're stuck at home, I highly recommend you watch it. But there's this particular scene in the second movie, The Two Towers. And in this scene, the people of Rohan, they're fleeing to Helm's Deep. Helm Deep, Helm's Deep is their fortress. It's their haven. It's where they go um, to be protected. And they go there because Saruman's army is after them, is coming. There's more than 10,000 Urukai who are coming to attack them and to completely kill them. These Urukai are these, these creatures, these um, evil warriors, and they have no mercy. They are going to come and absolutely destroy everyone and everything at Helm's Deep. But Helm's Deep is being defended by old men and young boys. They don't have um, strong warriors there. And so these young men and um, old men and young boys are the defenders of Helm's Deep. They're completely outnumbered and they know it. And it seems absolutely, completely hopeless. Now, one of the young boys, you can see this. One of the young boys... He has fear written all over his face. And he says to Aragorn, the men are saying that we will not live out the night. They say that it is hopeless. And then Aragorn, he asks the young boy for his sword. And then after swinging the sword around and testing the sword, he says he grabs this young boy and he says to him, there is always hope. Now, spoiler alert, as Jim Wallace said, they watched the um, evidence change because what happens is that many, um, this army of elves, as well as all the warriors of Rohan, they unexpectedly arrive to help. And Gandalf is leading the charge and he leads the warriors of Rohan back to Helm's Deep and they do end up prevailing. An absence of hope basically means the absence of God, because God is hope. Hope involves a confident and joyful expectation. It's a placing of our trust on the desired outcome. We know the famous verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Yes, love and even faith are much talked about in our Christian um, lives, and it's even much preached about. But it seems that hope is sometimes and oftentimes neglected. Therefore, many people fall victim to hopelessness. This leads to worry, to depression, it leads to fear, and so they end up succumbing to despair, and that's what they feel. Health professionals are warning of a coming mental health crisis due to this pandemic. And they're also warning that we, the healthcare system, that we are in no way prepared for this coming crisis. We need to be ready to share hope with others. We need to be ready to share the good news of the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we're to have this hope, but not just any hope, 
but a hope in God alone. A hope in God as opposed to something or someone else. As Christians, we reject everything else as being unstable, unreliable, shaky, as basically sinking sand, as the great hymn that we're so familiar with, my hope is built on nothing less. And instead, we are to proclaim that God alone is our rock. He is our fortress, he is our refuge, and he is our deliverer, our only hope in such times. While others may rely on horses, chariots, and the strength of men, as it says in Isaiah 31, verse 1, we seek God, we choose God, and we hope in God. But what does it mean to hope in God? What does that look like? When we say God alone is our hope, we're basically saying that God is enough, period. It's expectantly waiting for the things from God that faith has already promised us. It's the expectation that God will help us in our present situation and our condition because God is for us and because he loves us. He has plans for us. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, another well-known verse, it says that these plans, these plans are to prosper us, that they're not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. And in this world, we have the same problems as non-believers. It's not that because we're Christians that we don't or that we're somehow uh, spared from it. We do have the same problems. We have the same money troubles. We have the same uh, family problems, problems with our children, problems with our parents. We have the same health issues. We have uh, same work problems or problems with school in fact, as Christians, sometimes we even have church problems. Am I right? Sometimes we do. We have problems with church. We even experience the same fears as non-believers. The fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of getting sick or the death of a loved one, on and on and on, all these fears. But the difference is that our problems and our fears, they don't paralyze us, that they don't send us into despair. Listen carefully. When our hope is in God, we don't worry about our problems. We pray about them. Let me say that again. When our hope as believers is in God, we don't worry about our problems. We pray about them. Our hope in God also helps us to conquer our fears because God is love. And we know that in 1 John chapter 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, and God is love. So, why then is it that people do not put their hope in God? Why do people not put their hope in God? Well, one reason is that they do not think that God's help is real. Yes, people believe in God, but they often think that his help is only somehow psychological, that it's not really tangible or even practical. For example, if their mother is sick, let's say, they might pray that God will help them cope with the situation. They may pray that God will comfort them through it. But they don't really put hope in God that he can or will physically heal their mother. 
Secondly, another example, if they're, experience, they're experiencing some sort of a um, financial difficulty, they may wish and pray that they will win the lottery, right? Seeing that winning the lottery is their only solution. They don't really put hope in God, but instead, they don't believe that he can or will in some way supernaturally cause them to have some debt cancellation or money to be found. But again, here at Hope Church, we've actually seen or heard of or experienced ourselves um, such things. And the second reason people do not put their hope in God is because they hold a misconception about God. Many view God as some angry, judging, very judgmental God. I remember, um, and this was many years ago, when I was a freshman in college at University of Maryland, I took this freshman philosophy course, and it was called God and the Cosmos. It was just a freshman philosophy course. I'm, I'm not sure if they offer it still. But I remember that in this course called God and the Cosmos, I was really, really startled because I I pretty much led a sheltered uh, life growing up in the church. And the professor made a very bold statement in class. And the statement really startled me. He said, he said something like this. He said, yeah, that God, especially the God of the Old Testament, he was one mean son of a beep. And I was just shocked. I never heard anybody talk about my God or, or talk about God in that way. And a few of the students, they laughed, but most of the students, they nodded in agreement that God is this mean son of a beep. And it's very much like this scene. I don't know how many of you um, have seen the movie Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey. This came out a few years ago. But there's this um, famous scene where Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey, he says, God is a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but he'd rather burn off my feelers and watch me squirm. This is some people's view of God. And some people believe that whatever their unfortunate circumstance, they believe that they don't deserve um, God's help. They believe that um, the situation is due to their own bad decisions or that it's because of, it's they're somehow their own fault. And because of that, they don't expect God to help them. They don't expect or think that they should hope in God because of that. A third reason that people do not hope in God is because they put their hope in something else. They put their hope in something else. Um, It could be in their wealth, whether it be like their retirement plan or in their status, in their good looks, or some sort of talent, skill, or ability they have. They could put their hope in their education or certain other types of success they have. But as we know, these things these things, they can eventually fade with time. They can accidentally lose it in some way, and they can at some point disappear. So now I want to tell you why we can and should put our hope in God and God alone. Our hope, it should be rooted in who he is, his characteristics, in God's attributes. The fact that God is omnipotent, that he is, it means that he is all-powerful. God is sovereign. He is almighty. He is 
just powerful. He's able to do anything and everything according to his perfect will, according to his desires. Also, we know that God is omnipresent, which means that he is ever-present. He is present in all places at all times. We cannot hide from God. There is nowhere that we can go where God is not with us that he, we have his undivided attention at all times, and he is available for us to call upon him at any time. The psalmist declares in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. He is everywhere. Also, we know another attribute is God is omniscient. Omniscient meaning that he is all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows everything. God knows who we are, and he knows our situation and our circumstance. This is good news for us because that means that we don't have to explain things to him. He just knows. And he knows our thoughts even before we speak them. He even knows the eventual outcomes of the situations that, and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And finally, a fourth attribute of God, God is immutable. God is immutable, which means that he is unchanging. God has always existed. He was, is, and always will be the same yesterday, today, as well as tomorrow, that he is immutable. So these are some of the attributes of God, the God that we can confidently put our hope in. But this can't be just the theological head knowledge. Okay, we know his attributes. We know the names of God. We know he's good. We know he's this and that. It can't just be a th- theological head knowledge because knowing doesn't necessarily mean doing. We know a lot of things, but we don't always put things into practice. Putting our hope in him comes from seeing, believing, and experiencing who he is in our everyday life. So it's an experience. We need to be daily living out our life, living in hope. We need to be practicing hope every day, seeing it, believing it, walking in it, and experiencing it every day of our lives. During this ongoing shared global um, pandemic that we're all experiencing together, we need to press in. We need to fully put our hope in God. It's an opportunity unlike anything that we have ever seen. It's unbelievable. Who could have ever imagined, except in those future sci-fi kind of movies, who would have ever imagined that a day like this, a time like this would come? But we're living in it. So this is an opportunity like none other, none that we've ever seen before, an opportunity to share the hope that we have in God with those who don't. And there are many, many, many around us that don't share this hope in God. Now more than ever, more than ever, 1 Peter chapter 3, 15 applies here. Let's look at it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I pray, my prayer is that indeed people can see, that people can sense in you this hope that you have. This, this hope and peace that is not of this world, but that it, it is heavenly, that is otherworldly. I pray that people can sense and see this peace and this hope that you have and that they'll ask you about it. Yeah, that they'll ask you, why are you not freaked out? And that there's this, this inner um, tranquility or, or just peace, a quiet hope that you have and that people will ask about it. So I want to close with what I started, and that is Psalm 33, the last three verses. These last three verses, Psalm 33, I want to close and say it as a prayer over us. We wait in hope for you, Lord. You are our help and our shield. In you our hearts rejoice, for we trust in your holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord even as we put our hope in you. Amen.